It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade Show. As we get closer and closer to Christmas, a Christmas like no other. Where in Germany, they don't want you to sing. Get, we get together with more than five people. Same thing with the Netherlands. And France and England and Japan and South Korea. Wait, I thought this whole pandemic was Donald Trump's fault. Oh, I mean China's fault that no one ever blames it. On China. Uh, big day today, uh, big day yesterday for uh, Joe Biden, of course, and for the President of the United States. He has not given up the fight. He had a huge day yesterday. Think about this. Yet last week, we added some uh, Sudan, we added uh, you have Bahrain, United Emirates, you had Sudan, and now Morocco uh, amongst countries. Amongst countries that have recognized Israel's right to exist and basically has set up a, a detente. They can trade, they can visit, they can have uh, travel together. Unbelievable. All because the U.S. was there, Trump was the elixir, and Jared, of course. And then you have a situation where Israel knows we have a friend in the White House. That might not last too long, as in one election day. So that's changed. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour. We'll discuss all that because we had a vaccine yesterday. Another one could be rolling out shortly. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is not a surprise. I mean, it's just amazing. It's actually galling that now it's post-election and amazingly, the mainstream media are recognizing, hey, you know, this, this Hunter Biden story, this is, this is probably worth investigating. It's, it's really amazing. Bigger than Hunter. It's a path to real answers about Hunter's overseas investments. More and more looking like it'll lead to Joe. Do not miss a minute of this story as it unfolds. Number two. Vice President-elect Harris and I earned 306 electoral votes, well exceeding the 270 electoral votes needed to secure victory. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Biden gets his Electoral College victory, coughs his way through a speech where he demands the president accept his loss. Also, Trump says goodbye to his AG. Number one. Many health experts aren't so sure it's achievable. A coronavirus vaccine, Trump says it could come out this year, this sort of, you know, happy talk that he's doing about a vaccine. Another day of uh, POTUS in Wonderland here. The fastest a vaccine has ever been produced from start to finish is five years. (laughs) New record. Stunning warp speed win as Trump defies the critics and gets the vaccine across uh, across this country in less than a year. And Moderna could be ready by Thursday. This is an aid package is muscling its way through the Congress and Democratic governors and mayors play shut down, shelter and hide again. So let's talk about the good news. Let's talk about the vaccine. It is now out and it's moving and it's moving fast and it's moving from state to state. And they're going out of their way to make sure uh, the rich and famous don't get it first. We got to get to the people that need it most. And so far, so good. And when the White House was rumored to be, and you got to think it's the seat of power, was rumored to be first on the list, the president quickly says, hey, I don't want to be first on the list unless you need me to. 55 of the 145 initial COVID vaccine shipments have been received. Three million doses were said to arrive in 145 different centers across the 50 states today. Listen to this. 425 sites getting shipments uh, and the remaining 66 on Wednesday. 
So many people said this would not happen and mocked the president for cheerleading that it would happen. But he knew the only way out of this instinctively was a therapeutic, find a way like this Regeneron, which seems like a magic cure, and along the way get a vaccine to stop it in its tracks. He knew that shutting down the economy, shutting down business livelihoods, making everybody go remote and not go to school in person, the only answer would be, to beat the illness, not run and hide from it. And that's what I think he instinctively knew. And that's why I think so many other people who were saying that he was just trying to will it, he willed it, but he did it in an organized way. The man he put in charge was Brett Juror. Now, he's not a medical person, but he was an organizer to make sure people were doing things right and quick. Cut to. You know, I try to stay out of politics, but I've spent several months seeing uh, this vaccine effort being discredited or minimized mm-hmm. for political purposes and even doubt cast on the vaccination process. So I wouldn't underestimate anything that happens. But I can tell you, um, we have a plan to get all of America vaccinated by June. Um, and that means 200 million vaccines out by the end of February and hundreds of millions more. Um, if the next administration follows the plan that we have, Uh, continues to implement it. That's what's going to happen. Yes, but Mr. Doom and Gloom, Joe Biden, it's going to be a long, dark winter. Look, we know what's going on. I don't need to be told it's going to be a long, dark winter. We know about the challenges, our companies, and our own little bubble that we're in, whether it's personal or professional. I actually want somebody that's going to be pushing for answers, not wallowing in the mess, which is shutdown after shutdown, an overreaction, underreaction, and an illogical reaction that doesn't follow the data or the facts. This is a major move. What I was staggered about, and I, because I know I'm doing this show, I flipped to other channels. And it's amazing that MSNBC, CNN, ABC, and CBS talk about the amazing feats our medical community and biotech has come up with, going out of their way to not compliment President Trump, but to go right to what Joe Biden will be doing or point to a poll where people think we're in the worst of the pandemic. Yeah, we have 300,000 people die. Uh, most of which, as I make it right, are over 70, 45 percent are over 70. That is why we're shooting for nursing homes, getting them all done before Christmas. Here's the Federalist Ben Dominich, cut for. As someone who previously worked at uh, Health and Human Services under the Bush administration, I can tell you this is one of the most impressive things I think we've ever seen happen within the realm of health policy. Breaking down all the barriers necessary in order to achieve this is really the legacy of this uh, administration, and, and they ought to be hailed for it. We have never seen something happen this fast when it comes to a novel virus of any kind. This is the normal, in a normal situation, you'd expect this to take four to five years, uh, and yet they've been able to break it down. They've been able to make this miracle happen. And it is a miracle. And I love this. Well, the Russians had a vaccine. China has a vaccine. Good luck with that. The Russians don't want their own vaccine. I've never heard of a vaccine being found and nobody people, nobody lining up. And China has the protocols to bring us their vaccine. Good luck with that, Brazil, or any other country that wants it for free. I would like something that goes through the rigors of our process. There's a reason why this is going to be the answer. And while Moderna on Friday will get a million, uh, millions upon millions of doses out, that's going to be the answer. AstraZeneca said 70% effective. You do two shots, it's 90% effective. They want to work out those kinks. That'll be next. Then Johnson & Johnson, just a single shot. That'll be next. It'll get better and better. 
What we need is help for businesses now because of these incredibly naive, politically-minded mayors and governors. The shutdowns have been death to people's business and livelihoods, to their education. New York City's Mayor Bill de Blasio says New York City is prepared to shut down in full. Isn't that great? We were told shutdowns don't work. Kids are safer in school. But he says we should prepare for a full shutdown. Meanwhile, restaurants are defying the COVID-19 indoor dining, uh, and they're picking a day, and they're just going to all open up at the same time, saying they can't take all of our licenses. I look for them to rally today at 11, and over the weekend in New York City, rally again, Staten Island leading that charge. They now are only allowed to serve takeout from Wednesday on. There's going to be a massive snowstorm on top of that. When it rains, it pours, so to speak. So looking at this virus, looking at the shutdown, it is a race to get Americans vaccinated. Uh, I am getting it. I hope you're going to get it. Meanwhile, the president of the United States, I talked to him on Saturday. He thinks the fight is still on. He's contesting in Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Joe Biden, though, got over 170, excuse me, uh, over 270 electoral votes. And then he took to the microphone with a cold, coughing, can't see the prompter, cut nine. The flame of democracy was lit in this nation a long time ago. And we now know nothing, not even a pandemic or an abuse of power, can extinguish that flame. You know, respecting the will of the people is at the heart of our democracy. Even when we find those results hard to accept. Right. So, by the way, there were protests in 20 and 2017, 2017 and 2000. Uh, So... There's going to be people on January 5th when they go to ring this thing officially, gavel this in officially. There's going to be Republicans standing up and protesting, Matt Gates amongst them. But just know the Democrats did the same exact thing. It, it will be awkward with Mike Pence with the gavel having to tell other Republicans to sit down. But that's what I think it's going to be. But Joe Biden was essentially pushing back on Trump. Cut 10. The Trump campaign brought, brought dozens and dozens and dozens of legal challenges to test the result. They were heard again and again. And each of the times they were heard, they were found to be without merit. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history. Okay, thanks for that. So just know that all you people that wrote books about Donald Trump, that were obsessed with Donald Trump, talked about how he was not adequate for the job, ill-prepared for the job, didn't really win the job, he gave you the time of day. He talked to every media outlet every single day. He yelled back at you when you were yelling at him, and he gave you a mulligan when you decided to give him a fair shot. He would walk up and down the line to and fro from a chopper, and now you have Joe Biden who takes five questions a week instead of five questions a minute. That's what this president did. He gave you access. He let you know what was on his mind. We don't know what Joe Biden's agenda is. We don't even know what he had, the cold or the virus. What's what's up? The 78-year-old did not sound too good yesterday. So it's going to be interesting what happens over the next few days. And it just, it seems like it is over. They are going to challenge in Georgia. They're going to do a maxing of signatures. But it's the threshold in which they try to match those signatures with the machines are set at, I understand, that is key. Here's Byron York. 
Cut 13. We always knew that December 14th today would be uh, a huge day and that the Electoral College would vote and that would seal the election. The results are certified uh, in all of these states. The last step is January 6th when Congress meets to certify uh, the results of the election. I think what we've seen from some people around the president in the last week or so is this uh, pushing back on the idea that today, December 14th, was a really, really big deal, that they have much more time left to mount challenges. But they don't have any challenges currently in the pipeline that could lead to uh, changing the election results. These are certified elections. The Electoral College has voted. Uh, this is a done deal now. All right. Uh, some are not going to accept that, and the president's going to fight through that. Meanwhile, got to focus on this Georgia runoff. Early voting started yesterday. Leflin, Purdue, got to find a way to hold on to the Senate. David Perdue is a, a much more savvy politician. Kelly Loeffler, a uh, very successful businesswoman, athlete. First time she's ever in the fray. She's really campaigning. But she's against a very radical candidate, Reverend Warnock. He praised Farrakhan's Nation of Islam. They found tapes in 2013. He also called senators in 2018 gangsters and thugs willing to kill children because they passed major tax cuts. You know what he's done in the past. With Reverend Wright as his mentor, we're uh, welcoming uh, Fidel Castro to his church. To me, this should be a layup for Leffler. And I think it's up to the Republicans to make sure that'll happen. Drag her across that line. Senator Ron Johnson, about what will stop if they don't find a way to hold on to the Senate. Cut 17. Well, it's crucial because if, if we retain them during the Senate, uh, Chairman Grassley, I believe, will become chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee again. I will become chairman of this permanent subcommittee on investigations. And ne- neither one of us have got to the bottom of this. Both of us are very frustrated with the unfair and biased treatment on the part of the media, the unfair and biased uh, suppression of information from these agencies uh, and, and, of course, the unequal system of justice that we are witnessing in this country. It's shocking. It is. It is. And Ron Johnson, who's a guy from the plastic industry, you would think was going to be something on doing something on the Commerce Committee, now finds himself so outraged about the inequity on Capitol Hill and the way the media treats both parties. He's now incensed. It's like that quiet guy in the class that all of a sudden becomes the loud guy in the class because he realized his teacher isn't teaching him anything, and we have a standardized test to uh, try to excel at to get you into college. What do you think of that analogy? I'm pretty impressed with it. one 408 When we come back, I'll take your calls on that and also uh, tell you that we have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West right after that. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. 
Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We're living in a crazy world right now where none of it makes any sense. Cuomo literally just came out. The man who keeps saying, follow the science. 70% of infections in New York City happen inside private gatherings in the apartment. So what does he do? Close indoor dining. Let me ask you this question, Cuomo. Where do you think these people are going to go? They're going to go to house parties, and it's going to get even worse. I wish he was exaggerating. I wish I could say, well, that's just an angry restaurant owner in New York City just venting. No, he's, what he said is 100% right. And I have not, I've been to maybe three restaurants in New York City. I go out to all the time. Sep- the tables are all separate. There is plexiglass between them. There are sections. Now they have them on wheels where they'll have the plexiglass or or some type of um, glass in frames, and they'll wheel them between tables. You give these restaurateurs, just give them the rules, they'll hit their marks. Because if they don't, customers don't come in because they feel unsafe. They did it, and they just get abused, absolutely abused. That'll be the story written about. While you go into a mall when it's crowded and Costco when it's packed, you can't go to Bill's Diner or uh, Sam's Sports Bar because— It's not good for you, according to people ill-equipped to decide what's good for you. Eric, listening online in Louisiana. Hey, Eric. Hello? Hey, Eric, what's on your mind? Uh, Good morning, Brian. Thank you for accepting my call. Uh, In support of small business, that's the backbone of this country, I feel. Anyway, I'm thinking that perhaps maybe these small businesses would be entitled to some compensation under the eminent domain doctrines. I mean, in essence, these politicians and are closing these businesses and actually just taking control of their property without rest reasonable compensation. I believe maybe there may be a remedy or some type of relief for these small businesses to go ahead and try that. It's not a thought, sure. I mean. Yeah, it's not sure, but here's what they did. So Governor Cuomo says, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm going to suspend evictions. You know what you did? Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You didn't say they don't have to pay. They just have to pay later. And number two is the landlords aren't bad people. 
they took loans out, leases, and they bought buildings. And they took that equity and bought other buildings, perhaps. Well, they own only one building. What does the bank say to the landlord? Oh, I don't get paid now because Governor Cuomo won't let me charge rent. So when the bank asks the landlord, what do they say? Oh, you're screwed. Give me back the building. Gary, WVMT in Vermont. Gary. Hey, Brian. Uh, great interview with the president the other day. That Thank was fantastic. Listen, um, during the interview, you can obviously see that uh, president was frustrated with uh, Attorney General Barr. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Barr said is, like, there's no evidence to uh, overturn the election based on widespread fraud. Well, if there wasn't enough to overturn it, then what exactly were those numbers? Where did they come from? Who's you know, involved in it? And what and what penalties are they going to pay for what for Gary, what I, I love what you brought up. So just because it doesn't overturn the election, if this fraud is perpetrated, they should be prosecuted. I love that. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Please get out and vote. Georgia's elections are secure. There are many telling you they aren't. I understand. I get that. I supported and voted for the president. I am sorely disappointed in the outcome. Like millions and millions of other Americans, it's nearly unfathomable. But we have over 200 years of transitions of power in our nation, regardless of personality, regardless of party. And that's the Secretary of State of Georgia weighing in on the election and the holdup and the president's anger towards Governor Kemp and Governor Ducey. You saw it on Twitter. You saw it in the interviews. He thinks both governors came out weak and let him down. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, who did not let the president down, senior fellow at the Media Research Institute and author of Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. Uh, Colonel, when you do you think it's time for the president to move on? Well, uh, Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you, Brian. And I think that he has some courses of action that he can still uh, pursue. I'm not part of his legal team, but I'm about to get on an airplane today at 2 o'clock to head to Georgia because, you know, that's where I was born and raised. And it's very interesting that you hear the Secretary of State speak because he was one of those individuals that was named in the Texas lawsuit because of his consent decree there in Georgia that said that you didn't have to have signature verification on the uh, universal mail-in ballots that came in. And so that, again, is one of those things that has caused, you know, 
know, some concern and consternation because every other state has to follow by that. As a matter of fact, the Supreme Court had just ruled in South Carolina that you have to have signature verification. So uh, we know that Stacey Abrams down there is uh, under investigation for some nefarious practices that she has done uh, as far as trying to get people to vote in Georgia. So we got a lot of issues coming out of this 2020 election cycle, and we don't want to see people that don't have faith, trust, and confidence in our electoral system. Well, I know Lindsey Graham uh, said that this is going to be good in the long run because he's making all these states accountable and to define why they're using certain Dominion system, why they're using mm-hmm. uh, all these mail-in ballots, uh, what they're using for their voter rolls, who are they recruiting from outside their city. So at the very least, when the president's examining all this, he's making them uh, define what they're doing. I don't think there's any doubt unofficially. My gut tells me if there's no pandemic, he walks to another four years with the pandemic. But without the mail in without the excessive mail in voting, yes. he, he, he wins. And that's what's frustrating for him. Well, that's one of the things that the Texas lawsuit brought up is that even though you have this emergency declaration because of COVID, that does not suspend the Constitution. So in other words, you cannot have uh, courts making election law. Uh, they're supposed to interpret law. You cannot have secretaries of state like you saw in Georgia or governors like you saw in Pennsylvania uh, changing election law. The only people that can change law in the United States of America are state legislatures or the United States legislature, the House and Senate. But we have seen some very interesting uh, things that are occurring, and there has been no consequences. There have been no ramifications to this point. So you're right. I think that the president is pointing out some very key issues that we need to correct. And never forget that in the state of Texas, we uh, did not accept a Dominion voting system uh, when it was tested here in 2019 because of issues with security of ballots. And uh, you have to ask yourself, then why did 20-some, I think 28 other states, accepted the menu system when a large state like Texas said no. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, but they did not hear the Texas case that your attorney general brought forward that was joined by 17 or 18 other states and over 100 mm-hmm. uh, plus lawmakers. So the the Supreme Court justice said this isn't worthy. One state does not have standing about an election as it has to do with another state. So that stopped. That's and That was true. crushing for the president. And I just think these other small yeah. skirmishes are not going to add up to stopping the momentum here. Well, the interesting thing is that if a state has a grievance against another state by by uh, or original jurisdiction, it has to go to the Supreme Court. That's the only court in the land that can adjudicate grievances between one state and another. And the uh, whole crux of the argument about the uh, Texas lawsuit that, as you say, was joined by another 17 or 18, is that Texas, you know, should have an equal protection under the law. You cannot have some states that are abiding by the law, abiding by the Constitution, and then you have other states that are not, especially when it comes to a national level election. Texas is not, you know, getting involved in a mayoral election in these other states or a state legislature election. This is a national level election, and it does cause damages. So therefore, by the Supreme Court throwing this case out, they are setting a precedent that says that states can go out and violate the law, even if it causes damage to other states, and they're not going to hear the case. Uh, So where's the equal protection under the law for law-abiding states? And that comes from the 14th Amendment in our Constitution. So Raphael Warnock is running against Kelly Leffler, and this guy's record is way to the left. He'd have trouble being, he'd be left for a mayor of Chicago, let alone Georgia. Listen to what he said they found in 2017 
about the Republicans that voted for tax cuts. Cut 16. The United States Senate decided by a slim majority to pick the pockets of the poor, the sick, the old, and the yet unborn in order to line the pockets of the ultra-rich. Don't tell me about gangsters and thugs on the streets. There are more gangsters and thugs in Washington, D.C., in the Capitol. Okay, isn't that nice? Now, I want you to understand something. He is the senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church. It's very Ebenezer spiritual Baptist of him. Church, yeah, Ebenezer Baptist Church is located in the neighborhood that I was born and raised in. It is also the church and in the neighborhood that Martin Luther King Jr. was born and raised in. Uh, this, you know, anybody else would say that this is a violation of, you know, a separation of church and state, what have you. But obviously there are different rules. The interesting thing about Raphael Warnock, here's a guy that said that you cannot serve in the military and serve God. You know, four generations of men in my family have served in combat, going all the way back to World War II to, to, to the present. We're God-fearing men. So I have a problem with that. The other thing, here is a, a, a minister, supposedly a reverend. He's just talking about robbing the unborn, but yet he says that the Bible condones the murdering of unborn babies. I cannot find that anywhere in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 speaks directly against that. So you are talking about a very, very ultra-radical individual that has even called police officers thugs and criminals. That's not what we want to have as a senator representing Georgia. That's why I'm going back to my home state, uh, birth state, uh, this afternoon, and I'll be campaigning throughout the state tomorrow for the, the senators, uh, Purdue and, and Leffler. What I understand is, is this the same Georgia? I mean, this is, you know, if you if you have Joe Manchin and Chris Coons, I'd say you got your hands full. But this is two radical guys. John Ossoff is a documentarian yeah. whose main client is, client is the Chinese government. Yes. I mean, is this well, a joke? This is, this is a this is what has happened in all you know strong red states. The left Democrats come in and they take over the major urban population centers. You see that here in Texas. You look at Austin. You look at Dallas. You look at Houston. You look at San Antonio, and those major population centers don't reflect truly the fabric of that state. And so what is happening in Georgia is that you have the Atlanta Fulton County area, that metropolitan area against the rest of the state. And if you really look at that Texas lawsuit, it talked about Georgia, it talked about Wisconsin, it talked about Pennsylvania and Michigan. In those four states, there were four cities that really did determine this election. And they were Atlanta, they were Philadelphia, uh, Milwaukee, and Detroit. And that's where you see these voting irregularities, these unconstitutional right. actions and practices. If I'm if I'm someone who's looking at the big picture for Republicans like you are in Texas, I am spending the next year sincerely listening to what minority communities uh, are interested in, finding out if you could help and let them know that Republicans care about your vote and will work for it. Because for the longest time, as you know, Colonel, they just said, oh, the black vote, we're not going to get that. So we're going to focus on maximizing the rural vote, the suburban vote. And I think this election, President Trump changed that, showed you what's possible mm-hmm. with the Hispanic community, especially up to 13, 14 percent uh, with the black community. But that if you guys are in a strategy meeting, does that ever come up? What are we going to do to to attract minorities to our party, especially the African-American vote? Well, I don't know if it's coming up nationally, but I'll tell you that, as you well know, we flipped the Rio Grande Valley 
here in the state of Texas, and that is majority 90% Hispanic because we talked about our principles and values and we connected with them, we engaged with them, and we're going to continue to do that. Another thing that we're going to start here, establish here in the state of Texas is called the 150 Black Men of Texas because the Republican Party of Texas was founded on Independence Day of 1867 by 150 black men in Houston, Texas. So when you start to bring up those connections, that history, Mm -hmm. and talk about those principles and values and policy, then you're going to have success. And I think that's what you saw in this 2020 election cycle. And so we're going to go on the offense in the mm-hmm. and engage in those minority communities, exactly what you just talked about. Yeah, listen first. Listen first. Don't tell them yep. what they want. I can't tell you. I'm listening to these NFL guys talk right after the George Floyd situation. And I'm listening. They're going, I didn't ask for a black national anthem. I didn't ask for it. Yeah. Yeah, they go, we, you know, don't, 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 don't tell me how you're going to help me. Ask me. So I just think that would go a long way. Uh, Colonel, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll chat next week and have a great uh, holiday season as we lead up to Christmas. You too, Colonel. Whatever we're allowed to do. We just can't sing with more than five people and we'll be okay. Uh, Colonel Allen, thanks so much. When we come back, your turn, 1-866-408-7669. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Bill Barr did the right thing. And what's interesting is that the way that Barr did it actually is a nightmare for Joe Biden. Because before the election, various Democratic senators were calling for the Biden Justice Department to shut down these investigations. What Barr did is made it virtually impossible to do that. But if he had done what the president wanted, the Democrats would have said, well, you just pulled the Comey, and they would have pulled the plug on these investigations the second they came into office. And now think about this. If Joe Biden is president in in April and they're starting getting closer and closer to Jim Biden, I think there's a Frank Biden, and I think they're all involved, and then Hunter Biden— and then the whole keys gets the keys to the office with Jill Biden sharing that office with somebody linked to the Chinese military in America. And then he says, well, I'm going to just shut down that investigation. Excuse me. They'll be outraged, just like there was outrage if President Trump went ahead and fired Comey. He did. I mean, fired Mueller that he didn't. Mark was on KJCE. Hey, Mark. Hey, I just uh, wanted to bring up, I, I live in Austin, Texas area, and I was listening to Colonel West, and, and I told your caller, screener, that I get very frustrated here locally, the Travis County Republican Party, uh, or Republicans, whatever, they, they just, they, they roll over and say, well, you know, Austin's blue, we can't turn it, there's just, there's nothing we can do, and I, I've been in this area now for almost 10 years, and I'll tell you, the, the biggest group of entre- entrepreneurs in this area, and, and probably throughout the country, 
according to a couple of things I've read, are the Hispanic people. They are they come here, you know, however they come here, and they, and they're willing to put themselves out there, open a restaurant, open a roofing company. You know, they don't want to work for other people. They want to work for themselves. They want to live that American dream. And these are the people that if they would understand how the conservatives can help with their tax issues and they can help with, you know, the, their their religious beliefs that they're founded on where they come from. And instead, instead of bringing this to them and helping them understand how it works and, and flipping it like we did the Valley, our, our local party just gives it up. And now now we're even losing a very conservative Williamson County, which is part of the out, you know the metro area of, of Austin. And that's turning blue. And it, it, we got to quit just letting things go and I think get out there and really listen to the people like Colonel West said and, 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 and hear, hear them out so that then we can help them better understand how we can help yeah. them as conservatives. And it's not writing them checks. It's, it's no, opportunity. It's, it's education. It's bringing back the schools, giving them these, uh, you know, uh, parks and opportunity and, and leagues to play in and uh, and and you know, try to entice some of these the CVSs and and the different stores into these areas, give people the sense of possibility and potential. Don't just walk in and say, "Listen, you you know, America's racist and things have been so unequal for so long. You need bigger checks than this. You need minimum wage raise." No, no, your goal can't be minimum wage. Your goal is to get in and work your way up. Because if you keep raising minimum wage, there's going to be no small businesses because they have a finite amount of money. The margins are small. They're going to hire less. We saw the same thing with Obamacare. If you have a certain amount of employees, you've got to offer health care. Excuse me. If I offer health care at this rate, it'll be impossible for me to have a business. Not my problem. So what I'll do, I'm going to stay under the number of employees that demands that I offer health care. Not because you're a bad person. It's because you want to stay in business. Jeff, listening in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hi. Uh, I just want to say um, I was talking about the COVID situation, which yep. is just terrible here in North Carolina, and I just recovered from it. I have three um, children that are first responders, one in the state of Ohio who, who got it from uh, from some senior citizens. She, she's well now. And I have a daughter who's the head of 18 counties in Georgia. Um, this thing is 300,000 plus dead, excuse me. And um, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about the president, well, the soon to be ex president whining about offense against him when so many Americans are dying and my children are out there fighting this epi- uh, epidemic. But can you do both? To- can you get a vaccine? Huh? Can you push remdesivir free to as many hospitals as possible at the same time, fight for four more years? Oh, yes, yes, you can. But let me add to that. I'll be 60 years old in about four months, thank God. And um, and uh, I remember when uh, the government was given that was was acting like they were given. Remember the Tuskegee syphilis? Yep. thing? So why? Why should African-Americans trust the government? I understand for 40 that. years when they don't know you don't understand it. You think if, if 44 to 45 presidents were black and, and the country did that to you. No, no, I understand it, but have, that's a fact. What you're saying is a fact. It's not rumor. So having said that, uh, having said that, what, what could be done to convince the African-American community at the same numbers as other communities that this is safe? What could be done? What do you want to hear? What I want to hear, I hear it from my, my daughter. Like I said, she runs 18 counties down okay. in Georgia. She's the head. She used to be the head of uh, What does she New York say? State. We only have a minute left. What does she say when you ask her about it? 
the the president should talk about it because we're we're being uh, affected more adversely than any than any community in the country. You you hardly ever hear him say anything. I've never heard him say anything about it. Well, no, we're the number would, one I mean, where, are you going to take it or no? I'm gonna be honest. I'm scared to death because, like I said, the first 12 years of my life, this country did that to us and lied to us and treated us like animals. But you do, do you get mumps? Do you get measles? Do you get the polio vaccine? Most people do in order to get to grammar school. Yes. Well, we had no choice then. I was a kid. Right. So this is going to be even more forward, and it's a private industry, biotech. They're sending it to the U.K., sending it to the U.S. Uh, I don't think it sees color. I understand the worry, but go get it. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Rich Lowry will be with us shortly. Always great to have Rich on, uh, especially in a time in which we might be transitioning from power. And we have such a substantial January 5th uh, runoff election, two of them going on, that means so much to the future of this country. And I wish I could say I'm overstating it using hyperbole, but I think you know when you already see $500 million in this campaign already and early voting starting yesterday and almost every network covering it live, you understand that I'm not. Then we're going to do a simulcast on FBN. You see us on Fox Nation every day on this great app to stream. But on FBN, uh, we'll go on Stuart Varney, the number one show in all business television. So he sees us, and you get to listen to him. We share audiences. So that should be great. Uh, So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is not a surprise. I mean, it's just amazing. It's actually galling that now it's post-election and amazingly, the mainstream media are recognizing, hey, you know, this, this Hunter Biden story, this is, this is probably worth investigating. It's, it's really amazing. Uh, that is Senator Ron Johnson. It's bigger than Hunter. He put an 87-page report on Hunter Biden and all his investments, as dubious as they are. Not many people paid attention, but now there's a path to real answers about Hunter's overseas investments. There's tax problems and there's two confirmed investigations. And guess what? It leads to Joe. Why? Because we had this investigation in the fall. Other outlets didn't pay attention to it. Do not do not miss a minute of this story, I warn you. Number two. Vice President-elect Harris and I earned 306 electoral votes, well exceeding the 270 electoral votes needed to secure victory. Joe Biden gets his Electoral College win, coughs his way through a speech where he demands the president accept his loss. Also, Trump says goodbye to his attorney general. Number one. Many health experts aren't so sure it's achievable. A coronavirus vaccine, Trump says it could come out this year, this sort of, you know, happy talk that he's doing about a vaccine. Another day of uh, POTUS in Wonderland here. The fastest a vaccine has ever been produced from start to finish is five years. Stunning warp speed win. As Trump defies his critics, you just heard some of them, and got the vaccine across the finish line in less than a year. Moderna could come as early as Thursday. This, as an aid package, is muscling its way through Congress, and a Democratic governor after Democratic governor and mayor play shut down, shelter, and hide again. 
Joining us now is Rich Lowry. Uh, Rich, uh, welcome back. How's it going? Editor of National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Uh, the paperback is coming out. Uh, it came out in November, so it came out a month ago. Great place, a great time to get something uh, for Christmas. Rich, first off, do you think it's time for the president to accept the loss? I do. I, I think it has been for a while. I was open to the idea, try, trying to hunt down fraud. Fraud happens in every election, but they just haven't come up with anything that's widespread enough to reverse the result in any of the states. You know, if he lost by 500 votes in Michigan, Brian, I, I would you'd have trouble convincing me ever that that was legitimate, given some of the, the counting difficulties in Wayne County, where they can never somehow line up their, their votes, you know, where Detroit is. But it was 150,000 votes in, in Michigan, 80,000 votes in, in Pennsylvania, 12,000 in Georgia. Now, that's, that's a close election in the scheme of things, but in recount litigation terms, those are huge margins, and it's just really hard to come up with evidence of illegal votes um, higher than the, those vote margins. So, uh, you know, he gave it his best shot. Uh, he's done much more than anyone could have expected in 2015. His parents would have been astonished by what he's been able to accomplish. He's going to have a huge role in the Republican Party going forward. I think he should sort of bank all that and, and move on. A couple of things, though. What, what bothers him most, and, and I don't think it's at all unfounded, is that he knows without the pandemic, once in a lifetime and a half pandemic, even in retrospect, he rolls to reelection despite the impeachment, despite the Mueller report, everything. Number one, number especially considering what was on the other side. I mean, Joe Biden's the best they had, and he's absolutely awful. And then you see, even after the pandemic, if there wasn't this push to mail-in voting, I gotta feel as though the president would have uh, prevailed. There's so much new to uh, mail-in voting; even the most sincere state seemed to have been overwhelmed. Yeah, so the pandemic, I mean, it's true. If the pandemic hadn't hit, he would would likely have a second term. But, you know, that's presidents have to deal with these exogenous events. Uh, and I think if he, his rhetoric and posture had just been a little different around the, the pandemic, it could have made a difference. Because we're all kind of marveling at Operation Warp, Warp Speed, and you're seeing these stories about the, just the amazing uh, things they, they did to hustle this along, whether it was sending trucks to places at 2 a.m. when you needed deliveries or whatever. They did that across the board. They did it on ventilators. They did it on PPP, PPE. They did it on testing. But that story was mostly not told. Of course, the press had zero interest in telling it. Um, but the president didn't tell it very compellingly himself either. And I think if he just seemed to take the pandemic a little more seriously and relentlessly tell the story of what his administration had done and maybe cobble it together and say, hey, this is, this is our national plan, I think it would have made a difference. Um, so, you know, scheme of things, it was a relatively close election. You can point to, you know, dozens of things that if they'd gone differently might have made a difference. True. Uh, I do think that the poll is correct. If you saw what happened in Washington, if you talk to Trump voters, they don't think it's over. Seventy plus percent say Donald Trump should keep fighting. What's your reaction to that? I just I, I don't think it's uh, going anywhere. And I think these were legitimate results in in the states. And it it's wrong to, to over, try to overturn them if you haven't come up with evidence for, for why they're illegal. And they, they've had ample opportunity, and Wisconsin was the latest one, where the, the judge in that case, federal judge, Trump nominee, he was nominated this year by Trump, said, okay, you have standing, and I'm con- going to consider your case on the merits. And then he considered the case on the merits, and just like, it's just not there. So um, 
at some point, it's time to sheathe your sword and and move on. And I think we reached reached that point. And it doesn't really matter, actually, you know, whether he's going to accept it or not. It's going to be accepted for him. You know, you have Republican senators now kind of acknowledging you've had the Electoral College votes. There's no way to reverse this. Uh, it's it's going to happen. So uh, one way or the other, Joe Biden, uh, absent some cosmic event, is going to be president of the United States beginning on January 20th. Here's what Lindsey Graham said. Uh, cut 14. I'm glad president's challenging these systems. He may fall short, Sean, but he's shedding a light on the problem with mail-in voting. There's two threats to conservatism, mass mail-in voting unverified and social media companies unregulated, unable to be sued when they take down the content of conservatives. Social media companies Mm -hmm. and mail-in voting will destroy conservatism if we don't push back. That's true, and I think you agree with that. Yeah, if if I had my way, everyone would vote same day, you know, except for military voters who are out of the country or someone has a real excuse for absentee voting. And in bygone years, Democrats said, well, let's make uh, Election Day a holiday. I'd take that compromise now. I'd, I'd be happy to make it a national holiday uh, and, and end sort of mail-in, mass universal mail-in voting. Uh, but that's not going to happen. I think the system's here to stay. I think we need to look at ways to to tighten it up, and and, and ways for Republicans to um, use it themselves. You know, that's what happened in Florida. Uh, Florida is is uh, Republicans do really well in the early vote in mail-in voting because they've embraced it. They've tightened it up. You know, Florida knows how to count, knows how to do this. Uh, Took a uh, while the right way, and I think other states should look at that too. Yeah. So you wrote your column today about the embarrassing Russian disinformation card. It's so perfect. Because Joe Biden, uh, for the longest time, I, in my lifetime, Rich, and you might want to qualify it, but I've never seen a major story get suppressed by more media outlets from big tech to every major outlet outside the New York Post. They actually froze people's accounts who tried to forward the New York Post story, which full of facts, figures, and emails and quotes, not unnamed sources. And they froze that Hunter Biden story. Why? Because it wasn't just about the son of a of a of a of a politician. It was about the son of a politician that might have been doing work on the family name where his where his dad, who wants to be president, was benefiting. And they froze anything about that show. They called it unspeakable, unthinkable, and Russian disinformation. What do you find most egregious? The 50 former senior intelligence officials who looked at the Hunter Biden story, which we now is confirmed to be true, and said this was Russian disinformation from Clapper to Michael Hayden to Michael McFaul. It's, it's disgusting. You, you, on that letter, you had five, count them, five former directors or acting directors of the CIA, which – Based on zero evidence, in fact, they had a line in there, we not, we're not sure whether it's Russian disinformation, but we just really think it is. And they knew that would go into the media bloodstream. It would be used by the press and by the Biden campaign and by Biden himself. He cited it in one of the debates to discredit and uh, uh, ignore the story. And this was a significant story. It had had to do with something that would affect, obviously, Biden's presidency if he were to be elected. It uh, uh, potentially involved wrongdoing by Joe Biden himself, and it was suppressed. And the the media has never been more uh, lower or more disgusting than it has the last four years. And and this this story was a cherry on top, the way they handled it. Uh, Well, I mean, this was the most egregious because this was a October surprise. It was just because it happened in October. 
because they had a laptop. <laughs> it's not because someone was holding it back like the New York Times holding back a tax story of Donald Trump that went for two or three days in September. This was a story about it. This is Hunter Biden dropping up a laptop to an independent Mac repair shop who called the FBI when he saw it was on it and he couldn't get a return call. And then they also called Rudy Giuliani because they thought it was important to know because he saw the president being impeached for something that was 100 percent true. Not that he was impeached for something that's 100 percent true, but the topic and substance was. So this guy has now had to lock up his shop and close the door. The FBI has their investigation. We don't know what happened with it. But now we have Hunter Biden come out and go, yeah, they're looking at the IRS about business deals (laughs) that did in the Ukraine, Romania, uh, Russia, as well as Kazakhstan and China. How does that happen? Yeah, well, the press just took it as their job to help defeat Donald Trump. And they felt guilty for supposedly overcovering the Hillary emails. I thought the coverage was appropriate in 2016. But they, they took away from that, oh, we, we helped elect Trump because we focused on this Hillary email story, which was completely legitimate. So we're not going to focus on this other completely legitimate story, the, the Hunter Biden laptop. And just the, it was just fantastical, Brian, the idea that this was a Russian operation. They would have had to fabricate the laptop, then just drop it off randomly at this repair shop in Wilmington, and then hope the shop owner – looks at it eventually and gets alarmed, or they would have had to buy off the shop owner and make him a Russian agent, too. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It was ridiculous on the face of it. The simplest explanation all along was that Hunter Biden is not a very careful guy. He dropped this thing off, never should have. Not a very careful guy. That's nice. First first place and forgot about it. You see some of those pictures on there? I know. Yeah, I I, I made a mistake. I said he was smoking crack, and I got quickly told uh, it is not. It is uh, meth, amphetamine. So. Yeah. So, look, I mean, I feel sorry for him. He has a lot of problems. But th- this thing is going to be significantly impact the Biden administration. It's going to be a, at least a distraction. And there are going to be questions about how much Joe Biden knew. And we had credible uh, testimony prior to the election, Bobulinski, that that Joe Biden did. So um, th- this is a real story and never should have been ignored. All right. But Joe Biden did deal with it yesterday. Let's listen. Cut 23. Thanks for the, con- the congratulations. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now, compare that to Donald Trump when he walks outside and says, you, go, 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 and takes question after question. This guy won't answer a question. He yeah, was well, never asked this question. Sense, it goes to a sense of entitlement. He doesn't think he should be asked about this. And the first time he was asked about it during the campaign, after days and days, by a CBS reporter, he berated the CBS reporter for having the temerity to ask him. So th- this just goes to the, the media democratic complex where all the same people sharing all the same goals, and they're supposed to all be on the same side. I do think that the media boycott of the story is eroding and will, will give way over time just, just under the, the, the weight of, of facts. You know, <laughs> They can't totally ignore an FBI investigation that, that's been admitted by the target of the investigation. So, uh, again, th- this is going to be a big deal. What I also think is worth pointing out again is that there is an email that shows that Hunter Biden is requesting keys to a office for Jill and Joe and his uncle to have, along with a uh, business executive from China, with links to the Chinese government. I mean, is that a joke? I mean, is that, that sounds like that sounds like Russian disinformation, but it's a confirmed email. 
Yeah, it's it, this was the family business, and the only question is how much Joe knew about it. But uh, obviously, his brother and and Hunter, this this is how they made their living, and this is one reason people are so disgusted with and distrustful of the political elite in this country. And circling back around, Brian, to the the uh, election and, and questions of fraud, I know a lot of your listeners might not like what I'm saying, and distrust the the result in part because they're so used to being lied. About to by the media. So when the media says, oh, there's zero evidence, there's zero evidence, a lot of people assume, well, that means there must be evidence. <laughs> ah, uh, it's come full circle. And now no one believes anything anyone says, even when they admit that they found something that's wrong, they go, I'm sure it's not. Uh, Rich, everything's backwards, but you made sense of it in your latest column called The Embarrassing Russian Disinformation Canard. Rich Lowry, thanks so much. As editor of National Review, appreciate your time. Thanks, Brian. Merry Christmas. Uh, back at you. one 408 7669 We'll come back and take your calls at the bottom of the hour. We'll, all, we'll find out if there's more to know, and we'll do a simulcast on FBN. Big hour. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Yesterday, electors met in all 50 states. So as of this morning, our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had hoped the presidential election would yield a different result. But our system of government has processes to determine who will be sworn in on January the 20th. The Electoral College has spoken. So Mitch McConnell acknowledges uh, the the Electoral College result of going over 300 Electoral College delegates, so the electors. So it looks as though Joe Biden, in the eyes of Mitch McConnell, and that means the majority leader, the most powerful Republican not named President Trump, recognizes Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States. There could be some uprising around January 5th when they officially lock it in. But it'll just be standing up and speaking out from Matt Gates and and um, and a few others, and I think that'll be a done deal. It doesn't mean the president's not upset. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a right to be upset. But uh, overall, Mitch McConnell is probably going to call Joe Biden and see what they can do. Now I hope that they focus on something they should have been doing a long time ago, the $900 billion into our bloodstream to get us going until uh, April 1st. They broke it up into two separate bills, which is interesting. They have $728 uh, billion that they think they've agreed on, $748 billion. Now the, the rest of the $160 billion about liability protections as well as uh, money straight out to state and local governments. State and local government, that's the check that Cuomo and others want, that free money. Uh, for acting irresponsibly and shutting down with irregardless of uh, the tax money that wouldn't come in and the livelihoods that would be destroyed. And the liability protections, which I'm all for. They allow businesses to open up and know if they someone does get the virus, they're not going to be destroyed. It'll get uh, companies back to work while still making them be responsible uh, for their employees' welfare by doing certain things along the way. So hopefully they're going to get something passed by Friday. But it looks like the Republicans are admitting Biden won. 
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We know Donald Trump is going to try to destroy, to poison Joe Biden's presidency from, from day one. And this is right now the, 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 the most obvious uh, method, the most obvious path towards doing that would be to exercise political pressure in the Department of Justice in this lame duck period to try to uh, get some action on the Hunter Biden matter and leave that uh, a kind of a steaming turd on Joe Biden's doorstep. You don't have to try. It's there. It's been confirmed by Hunter Biden. He's had two investigations minimum. I think it might be three. You have Manhattan, you have Delaware, and you have Pittsburgh, and then you have all these other allegations and Bobolinsky coming forward and his business partners in jail, and uh, you have this uh, emails of 2014 that says, don't forget, you forgot to put uh, in the past on your returns $400,000 worth of income as you complaining that you can't live on $550,000 a year. That's nobody's doing except Hunter Biden. The real story is, why did this story not come out? And as I mentioned on Monday, uh, it wasn't Donald Trump's idea to have the Access Hollywood tape come out, which was footage that never aired, that no one thought existed, what was raw, that suddenly emerged from the NBC vault to go right in Donald Trump's way. No media outlet was worried about airing Access Hollywood footage that destroyed Billy Bush's career temporarily. Thankfully, he bounced back because he did really nothing wrong. Hopefully, he bounced back. And at that time, Donald Trump, it looked like he was done. Reince Priebus had basically quit. Uh, Vice President Pence had taken a bow out. And it almost destroyed everything. No one said, well, how unfair. They just said, that's pretty bad tape. It's going to be hard to overcome. He did. This whole thing should have come out. And if it didn't bother you, you vote for Joe Biden. But 10% of the people, according to a Fox poll, did not know anything about it, and it would have affected their vote. Tom in Indiana, WTRC. Hey, Tom. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Hey, um, I, wanted to, uh, I just wanted to, uh, to tell you, I enjoy your show, but this continued coverage of the Hunter Biden story is very frustrating to listen to you. In what way? Because um, it, I tell you, this story's already been written, and the final chapter has been, been read. And what they're doing is this, all, all this information is funneling through the AG in Delaware, because Joe Biden can control that. And what they're going to do is Joe doesn't want this story to go away. He wants this to be litigated in the press, and he wants an innocent verdict. He is so arrogant, that's what they're doing. Well, so when you continue to cover gonna, this, we already know co- the story. Here's an example of what's at stake. Here's Kaylee McEnany, cut 28. <clears throat> You have a Hunter Biden investigation that was going on since 2018 that was hidden from the American public while you had the New York Times going out there uh, saying that it was Russia disinformation, the same publication that won Pulitzers based on Russia disinformation against President Trump. But instead, they're covering for Joe Biden, calling it disinformation, only to find out after the election that, in fact, it was right all along. Fox was right to air the story. The New York Post was right to write this story. And 14 percent of people who voted for Biden said, I wouldn't have done it had I known about Hunter Biden uh, and the peddling with China and other countries. And if people are just coming out and doing a retread of the story, Tom, 
I would go, yeah, you're right. You know, it's the same thing over and over again. But this is actually unfolding. Tom Fitton came out with these emails. The Daily Caller yesterday, Fox News confirmed it last night, of this trans- of this, this communication between them. And then you find out stuff that we said indications of, and now we see it in black and white, of Joe Biden asking to share keys to the office with a Chinese executive. You don't think that matters? It doesn't, Brian, because we had all this information on Hillary Clinton. We had it on Comey. Heck, we had it on Lois Lerner. Any of those people in jail? No. That's why That's why we're frustrated here in the middle of the country. But, Tom, but let Love me say show, this. Brian. So Lois Lerner does some things that make her a bad director and might be a criminal. Probably not, but might be, you know, about what they did with the, uh, what they did with the Tea Party. But you have a guy here who doesn't pay his taxes, doing international business. You have two of his partners in jail. And we don't know exactly where it goes. But we have a guy that's already spoken to the FBI for seven hours in Tony Bobolinsky. And you have people with exact emails and text messages. Don't be surprised if this is different. The question is, if Joe, but this leads to Joe Biden. And they're able to look at his taxes, see why, where he got the compounds he got getting paid $275,000 a year for 40 years. I'm very curious to where this is going to go. And if you talk about a guy that's got midterms coming up and he's got a, he's got a runoff election that's going to control the Senate and he's got an agenda that's got to move forward, prison isn't the only answer to everything. It also is a major weakening. There's very few Donald Trumps in the world to walk through the worst storm ever and come out on the other side. I'm not convinced this guy can walk through a stiff breeze. And this is not good. I mean, if this came out before, you just heard the stats, he most likely wouldn't have been elected. Jim, WABC. Hey, Jim. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. Hey, What's Brian, on your mind? How are you today? Good. So listen, Brian, the Clinton administration has the Clinton Foundation. The uh, Bidens aren't the first ones to come up with this scheme. After she lost the election, what happened? The Clinton Foundation dried up. If she becomes part of Biden's administration, you'll see the resurrection of it. It's a ridiculous. Prison isn't the only answer to everything. Uh, you got to just just lower your uh, radio there. All right, Jim. Thank you, Denise WABC. Hey, Denise. Hey, Brian. Uh- uh, can you hear me? Yep. Hear you clear. Oh, good. Thank you, Thank you sir. Uh, listen, Joe Biden is illegitimate in my eyes. This must be said every day for four years. He mu- you must keep up the Hunter Biden, James Biden, corrupt criminal family. We- you must keep that up for four years. Joe Biden must be treated like the, the Democrats treated Trump, the first lady, and his sons, uh, his, his kids, the same way. <clears throat> We have to destroy Joe Biden's four, first four years. He's illegitimate. He stole the election with the Democrats. All right, Denise, Denise, here's the thing. Uh, the, pursue the Hunter Biden thing as it relates to I have no I have no interest in his addictions. I, I mean, the, the pictures that are there are so horrendous uh, and his actions in his personal life, no interest. But as it relates to Joe Biden and his family trading on his name and how he might be compromised by other countries, yes. But if Joe Biden tomorrow... Uh, if he loses the Senate, and I certainly hope he does, and he's starting to cut deals that help this country, I'm okay with that. I will not just say everything he does is wrong. I won't. If he looks and says, I can't move the House, they're too divided, and in the Senate, I know Mitch McConnell, but I can get some stuff done, 
I'll give him a fresh look at that. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to look at this other stuff and fully get an understanding of who he is and how it might affect his foreign policy. Is he going to be easy on China? Is he going to look the other way in the Ukraine? Is that one of the reasons? I don't know. Is he compromised to Russia? Is that the reason the Ukraine didn't get any lethal weapons to defend themselves when they actually invaded? I don't know. But I need to know all that uh, before he starts his foreign policy. That's why this has got to be pursued. It's not necessarily to put Hunter in bail uh, in jail. I have, you know, let, let the lawyers handle that. It's to find out, number one, does he have an easier standard than you or I? If I owed $400,000 over the course of 10 years to the IRS and lied on my taxes, I'm pretty sure I would not avoid jail. I'm pretty sure that no deal could be cut. And I think that's the least of it. By the way, what qualifications does he have? What does he actually do for this money? Why does someone from China give him $30 million? Why do you give him a $2.8 million diamond? Yeah, you're a lawyer, but there's a lot of lawyers. It's got to be access, unless he's got this great mind that I don't know about, unless he's got this unique skill that I haven't been unable to discern, unless he's the Michael Jordan of finance, I don't understand it. He doesn't attract big crowds or big money. He doesn't have a great track record. And Joe Biden's brothers seem really, let's just say, average, mediocre. one 408 you want me to take a break now, right? Oh, I got two minutes. Okay, good. Richard, listening online in Cincinnati. Hey, Richard. Hey, Brian. Dick Lynch. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, hey, just want to talk about here in the Midwest what's important for all of us. We want to be able to trust the FBI. We got to, you know, if, if we can't trust the FBI, who the heck can we trust? And what do we need to do to bring that back? I don't know. It looks like Christopher Ray is going to keep his job. He is really dissatisfied. He has not satisfied the president. He was recommended by Chris Christie. Uh, when it comes to terror, counterterror activities, I've had very few people who aren't pleased with a lot of what the FBI has been able to do. I think that number, but very disappointed in a lot of these investigations. I mean, how long are they going to take to investigate uh, this story uh, on Hunter that's been out there since 2018 minimum? He says he's been investigated for two years. Three years. So it was pretty amazing. Thanks for the call, Dick. Um, real quick, Dave in Tallahassee. Dave. Hi. They, uh, Biden has done nothing but profess the same uh, policies that o- uh, Obama did when he first started. Now, you look at the record. When Obama was first inaugurated, there were approximately 141 million people on active payrolls. Obama says, I'm going to tax the corporations, I'm going to tax the rich, and he instituted various policies, plus Obamacare. And if you look, during his first tour, his first administration, employment went down to approximately about 132. I hear you, and he's hired 27 other the Obamaites, too. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. 
All right, they're, now they're a little bit late. Fox, uh, we're about to go on Fox Business with Stuart Varney. And then right afterwards, be ready because we're going to take some of your calls, one 408 By the way, if people go on holiday shopping, it's probably the, one of the last few days. You can get the book delivered to you from uh, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, to Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, to George Washington's Secret Six, and Andrew Jackson, uh, and the Miracle of New Orleans. Uh, great American stories are pushed back against the 1619 Project. It is the 2020 Project, End with a Flurry, and Why America's Great, which, by the way, is the name of my series, What Made America Great, on Fox Nation. So we'll begin to that shortly. Then I'll take your calls. Uh, Stuart Varney wants to talk about these governors, uh, the rolling out and shutting down this country. And we'll be doing that in a matter of moments. Let's listen in. It's time for the man himself. Brian, I watched your interview with the president, and he told you that the speed of the vaccine rollout would not have happened without him. I just want to let the audience see that before we get to you. Roll tape, please. If I wasn't president, according to almost everybody, even the enemy, if I wasn't president, you wouldn't have a vaccine for five years, okay? Yeah. Will Trump ever get the credit? I mean, before this, the media was saying, you'll never get a vaccine. It'll be years and years and years. And you get it in 10 months. Will anybody ever give this president the credit he deserves? It's really hard not to give him the credit, but they're trying. Because Joe Biden is 30 days away, 45 days away. I don't know what the number is. 30 days away from... um, from actually taking over. So you can't give him the credit for it. He doesn't even know the plan. Joe Biden was criticizing the plan to roll out, and then they asked him, do you know the plan? He goes, no, I don't get briefed till next Thursday. Yeah. And then it turns out the plan was flawless so far. Keep your fingers crossed. A lot could go wrong, even with the best laid plans. We know it's military, private, public sector. But I was watching other channels, uh, Stuart, and they're not. They're describing this great medical breakthrough, but they're not describing what the Trump administration marshaled and did. For example, have you ever seen a team win the Super Bowl and then not give the coach credit? The coach actually holds the trophy first. The owner gives it to the coach who gives it back to the owner. The, the President Trump is the coach. He looks at the whole thing. They don't expect him to get a lab coat and a beaker and figure out how to solve this. But what he does is... What's slowing this down? What could speed it up? What would it take to get these many vials ahead of time? And can you imagine the criticism if Pfizer went ahead and made 100 million vaccines and it didn't work? They would have been like, the president wasted taxpayer dollars on a vaccine. It's never been done before. But not only does Pfizer work, Moderna's two days away from working. AstraZeneca's had a tremendous amount of success. And Johnson & Johnson, the one-shot plan, is pulling up the rear. The fourth, they said we could have six in a year. When all the guys, all the experts, including the showman uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, said minimum two years. And and by the way, can I just add this? Mr. Darkness, President-elect Biden, if, of course, everything goes the way it went yesterday, all he talks about is the dark winter. We know the challenges. Please don't tell me the darkness. I want to know where the hope is. Yeah, really? Come on. Uh, what, what did you make of uh, when, when the first jab was given in New York yesterday? There was Governor Cuomo on camera throughout the entire event. What do you make of that? Well, what do I make of it is I remember about three to five weeks ago, him on camera saying, would I take, he does a great this, this, you should try it if Susan's ever out. You could ask yourself your own questions. 
So you say, Stuart, what do you think about that? And you can kind of answer. Andrew Cuomo does a great job of answering, uh, asking himself questions, and he always seems to have the answers. One of the questions was, would I take the vaccine with this administration? No, I would be very uncertain about that, and I wouldn't blame you for being uncertain as well. Really. So I don't know why there's certain people on the shelf. But now that it's ready, the Trump administration is responsible. He has now split the screen and saying, look what I'm doing for New York. Oh, by the way, I'm shutting the whole city down. Yeah. Despite the data and science that shows the problem is people gathering their homes, not in uh, not in hotels, not at bars and restaurants. That's and this, his magical cure. And this big snowstorm that's coming our way that's going to deliver a lot of snow to this city, that's going to put the final kibosh on a lot of these restaurants. I don't, I don't think a lot of them are going to come back, Brian. Last 30 seconds to you. I think it's pretty amazing, the ingenuity. I was up, uh, my daughter had a soccer game in the city, so I was driving through Greenwich Village and all these other uh, places. They put together little igloos. They built these great structures. You can't yeah. keep New Yorkers down. And now yeah. they're saying you got to stay out there, and now they're saying if it goes over five inches, you got to take it down. All I know is now we need a screw gun, and now you're going to need a, a crew to take down these structures in order for the, the plows to work and the sidewalks to be yeah. swept. These and men and women can't get money. a break. And they've lost all that money anyway. Hey, Brian, that was a good one today. Thank right. you, sir. We'll see you again real soon. You sound surprised. <laughs> no, not at all. You're all right. <laughs> all right, thanks. Uh, Carl in Iowa. Hey, Carl. Hey, Carl, you are on uh, the Brian Kilmeade Show. What's on your mind? All right, he was listening on the app for 37 minutes. Jim in York, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jim. Okay. All right. Uh, we're going to try one more. Lizette in New York. Hi, Brian. This uh, is Lizette. I don't want you to think you're the third most important. You were just third in line. So what's on your mind? <laughs> Okay, I yeah. take no offense. All right, good. I think you're great. I just want to let you know. And I was just trying to uh, make a comment about um, Joe Biden and his son and the scandal yeah. and the lack of coverage on it. Well, you heard, the, you heard that gentleman from the Midwest. He's had it with no one ever paying the price for their transgressions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it will forever be that way <laughs> as long as we have the same people in the mainstream media. So... Unfortunately, I think we're going to be hearing this for four long, grueling years. Well, but it does affect the vote. Remember the state houses? Remember the House? Only nine seats difference. And it looks like they're going to they have a great shot at holding the Senate because people saw that the fund the cops and some of the horrible policies that were being proposed by the Democrats and AOC, the worst legislator ever, who scared Amazon out of New York. They could have brought thousands of jobs here in this horrible climate. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here coming to you from New York. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Brian Kilmeade Show, racing your direction. There's nothing hotter right now in politics than the runoff election in Georgia. And the best in the business, Bill Crane uh, from WSB TV and radio will be with us shortly. Bring us on the ground and up to date. Andy McCarthy on the president uh, still fighting 
Uh, before the final inauguration on January 20th, they'll be uh, banging in, gaveling in of the final result of the election in, in November 3rd. That'll be on January 6th. What do the president's hopes and dreams have uh, left? What does he have in terms of uh, a legal fight? We know that Mitch McConnell, about a half hour ago, just said uh, he recognizes President-elect Joe Biden. He's been a stalwart by the president's side. They're very different people. One spent his life in politics and one did anything but. And uh, they've been a, a force together. So you know he doesn't do that lightly, and especially his wife, Elaine Chow, worked for President Trump. So he hated doing it, but he did it, uh, recognizing the Electoral College result. So do you see it that way? Seventy percent of Trump supporters do not see it that way, so maybe that's a part of it. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. This is not a surprise. I mean, it's just amazing. It's actually galling that now it's post-election and amazingly, the mainstream media are recognizing, hey, you know, this, this Hunter Biden story, this is, this is probably worth investigating. It's, it's really amazing. Uh, and that, of course, is Ron Johnson just befuddled by the fact that we're pretending, many, not us, but m- many of the media pretending as if Hunter Biden's investigation is new. A path to real answers about Hunter's overseas investments and it looks more and more like it could lead to Joe and certainly his family. Do not miss a minute of this story. Number two. Vice President-elect Harris and I earned 306 electoral votes, well exceeding the 270 electoral votes needed to secure victory. Joe Biden yesterday coughs his way through the Electoral College win and a speech that could have been written by a third grader. The president, he wants to accept his loss, President Trump. Also, Trump says goodbye to his attorney general and a bit of a surprise for me anyway. Number one. Many health experts aren't so sure it's achievable. A coronavirus vaccine, Trump says it could come out this year, this sort of, you know, happy talk that he's doing about a vaccine. Another day of uh, POTUS in Wonderland here. The fastest a vaccine has ever been produced from start to finish is five years. So we got to wait five years. You know that vaccine rollout we saw yesterday? It couldn't have happened because the media said it was impossible. Stunning warp speed win as Trump defies critics and gets the vaccine across the finish line. This is an, also also an aid package as much its way through Congress, and the Democratic governors and mayors think they want to play shut down, shelter, and hide again. Andy McCarthy, you live in New York City. You know what it's been like. If you owned a restaurant and you were told that now you have only outdoor dining and we're about to get by 12 inches of snow in Christmas when you make all your money, what could you be thinking right now? Brian, it's just so, so difficult and so sad for these people you know on the one hand you know you have to say that uh you kind of get the government that you ask for right i know new york continues to send these uh you know hard left progressive authoritarian inclined uh types into position of power in fact you know it's more and more true there's you know, in the 1990s, uh, there was a possibility that you could get a Rudy Giuliani or even a Mike Bloomberg, who was a, a different kind of a cat than Governor Bataki, now, maybe. But right, you could, uh, you could, you could, you know, had a, a competitive chance uh, to elect Republicans. You don't really now, so it's it's become a one-party state, and as it's become one party, particularly in the city that you just mentioned, uh, it's. It's actually drifted in a more and more authoritarian direction, and I think dangerously so because they are just killing 
what makes New York New York, and along with it, they're killing the tax base that has allowed the city to, you know, go along the way that it that it went along with a very small percentage of people uh, paying a lot of the freight. You know, who knows whether that's the kind of city that's eventually going to come out of this? But it's a really, it's a really very depressing scenario, and the thought that. Uh, uh, you know, they're just going to shut down. The, the restaurant industry is one of the biggest, most important industries in the city. Yep. And it, I don't know that it can take the kind of uh, – this has been 10 months of this. I don't know that it can take another blow like that. It doesn't, and it's just amazing because these these political leaders are still getting paid. They stay in government housing. They still get their direct deposit, and they don't really cook their own food or drive their own cars, but they're able to sit there and say, the only thing I can do is shut everything down. The problem is the data and the science don't line up with shutting down indoor or outdoor dining, especially outdoor. Here's Tyler Hollinger, was on with Tucker last night, the owner of Festival in New York City. And I play it, knowing we're national, but this has represented so many cities, especially out in California. Cut seven. We're living in a crazy world right now where none of it makes any sense. Cuomo literally just came out. The man who keeps saying, follow the science. 70% of infections in New York City happen in Inside private gatherings in the apartment. So what does he do? Close indoor dining. Let me ask you this question, Cuomo. Where do you think these people are going to go? They're going to go to house parties, and it's going to get even worse. And Andy, have you been to a restaurant? And the restaurateurs who are listening to us right now, they invested in plexiglass. They get their construction people in. They have these roller dividers that go between tables or they just shut down booths entirely to space people out. They've restructured their kitchens. They have menus in which now have uh, Q codes so you don't have QR codes so you don't have to pick up the menus. That's an investment. And then they have to buy food to get ready. And then they just have somebody call a press conference and go, no, we're going to have to close down. Yeah, we've had that's been in New York. We've had it uh, uh, in uh, suburban and exurban New Jersey too, where you know people made all these investments and bought lots and lots of food, being told that they you know were about to open and then only to uh, be given the red light that they had to shut down. It's just. Do I have uh, a legal case, Andy? I, if I retained you and I owned a diner like the woman I had on today with her attorney, she says I'm not shutting down. Could you do anything to help me? Well, yeah, you can file a lawsuit, Brian, and argue that your fundamental rights are being denied. That your, you know, your right to property, your right to uh, uh, try to earn a living, uh, are all being denied. The problem is that you run into a lot of law that stands for the proposition that when you're dealing with an infectious disease, a pandemic, that the state authorities have a lot of authority to shut things down. Now, I think the argument that has to be made, and I think you're starting to see this with the Supreme Court cases and the Justice Department lawsuits, for example, that have been filed in the last four or five months, what you're starting to see is um, courts willing to say, you know, look, at the beginning of this, when we didn't know what we were dealing with, uh, we had to give a lot of wide berth to the governors and the mayors who had to deal with this stuff. But we're 10 months down the road now. We're doing a much better job in terms of treatment. Uh, we know a lot more about the disease. We have the vaccines on the horizon. And the other thing, Brian, that has bothered me, and maybe this is just a libertarian streak more than anything else, 
I don't I have never understood I, I do get that they want to keep the hospital population down so that the that the medical resources don't get overwhelmed. That's a, a, a completely legitimate objective. But you know, the idea that we need the government, I mean, do you need the government to tell you whether it's dangerous at this point? Not anymore. Ten, Ten months down the road to go to a restaurant or not. You know, no one who owns a restaurant wants their patrons to get sick. And nobody who could eat home, um, you know, intentionally puts himself in a perilous situation without weighing all those risks. Why we need the government to micromanage this stuff has never been, uh, certainly after the first six weeks or so, has never been uh, apparent to me. But you know, I think the courts are more willing at this point to say uh, that this is overdone right. than they were at the beginning, particularly when you have a lot of evidence that the people who are imposing these strictures are not willing to live under them themselves. So we have, you know, time after time after time, the people who are imposing these really draconian measures. I mean, there was one guy, one, I, I can't remember where this was, but do you remember the story about the guy who's uh I think he's a mayor for some place. Mayor of Colorado told everyone not to travel yeah, down on he, a plane to visit his mother. And he tells them not to travel. And he shoots the he shoots the uh, the uh, public service announcement yeah. from wherever it is he's vacationing. Oh yeah, the, that was the Austin <laughs> mayor. Yeah, you can't make yeah. it up. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So Joe Biden yesterday gave a 13 minute press conference. He coughed his way through. Made little sense, but basically said it is over. I won the electoral college vote. Cut ten. The Trump campaign brought brought dozens and dozens and dozens of legal challenges to test the result. They were heard again and again. And each of the times they were heard, they were found to be without merit. And now it's time to turn the page, as we've done throughout our history. Okay, whatever that means. Uh, Is he right? Is it over? Well, I mean, it uh, it should be over, but it's not over. Uh, He's talked about the legal challenges. And that makes sense because the legal track is what we've all been watching and following for the last six weeks. But, you know, ultimately, elections are a political process, and it's not surprising that they have a political end. Uh, It ends in Congress. It doesn't end in a courtroom. And what happens on January 6th is Congress meets uh, by statute at uh, the afternoon of January 6th, joint session of Congress, and they meet to count the votes. And every state has the opportunity to object to the counting of yep. votes from any other state. So you know that President Trump is going to be leaning on his allies in Congress to make a fuss on January 6th. You know, you need one re- one senator and one representative from a state to lodge an objection. So I think there's going to be a lot of resistance in the Senate. Uh, to doing this. And it's going to be up to Mike Pence to rein him in. It's going to be Scott Perry, Mo Brooks, Matt Gates, small group of his loyalists, but it's not is it going to it's not going to amount to anything, is it? Well, I I hope not. And the reason I hope not is you know, look, I think Biden won the election. I I'm not happy about that. I didn't want him to win the election, but I think he did. Uh and the other thing is Brian, going forward, if we're going to have a country now where the like states start to try to cancel out each other's votes, and essentially disenfranchise each other. Where does it go from there? I mean, it doesn't. You know, that that doesn't get better. So, you know, I really hope that the uh, it's been a very hard fought election. President Trump came a lot closer than people 
thought he would. He's He can leave with his head held high about a number of the things that he's achieved in his term, and he's obviously not finished as a figure on the national stage. So, you know, it, it, in, in that sense, it is time to turn the page and get on with it. I just hope they, they will. Let, but uh, nothing I've hoped for has happened in a couple of months, Brian. I understand, too. And let's hope you get what you want on Christmas, too, because I saw that list. It's lengthy and expensive. So now let's <laughs> let, let's let's talk about uh, the Hunter Biden situation. What we both knew was a real story is now confirmed by Hunter yep. Biden to be a real story. He's being investigated on two or three streams about his international investments and tax uh, fraud. Uh, he owes at least four hundred million dollars, according to his own uh, his own accountant or attorney, who said you you haven't really declared for the four hundred thousand you earned in the Ukraine. Uh, I think if you just look at this story, the fact that there's emails saying that he needs keys for Joe Biden, his dad, and Jill Biden, his mom, and a Chinese businessman with links to the Chinese government, is there any doubt that this needs to be explored? No, there never was any doubt. What's really disheartening is that the media was so obsessively anti-Trump that they would not investigate this, and as a result, it, it could explode on us during Biden's term. I think they, the media did what it should never do, which it made a completely political calculation that the fact that they did a little bit of coverage, not I don't think nearly as much as they should have, on Hillary Clinton's email mess is what cost Hillary the 2016 election, and they were not going to let it happen again with Biden. But the thing is, Brian, as you're, as you're pointing out, this is not going away, and Joe Biden himself is implicated in it. So instead of having it vetted before the election so that if the Democrats decided maybe it would be better to go in a different direction than, than Biden, now we have Biden, and he's going to enter into office uh, under a cloud of investigation, and it can explode while he's president rather than – uh, damaging him as a candidate, which is the way it's supposed to happen. Right. It's too bad it's not going to come out in an interview because he's never asked a tough question. It never comes up. And these people are about to understand what they just left behind. A guy, whether you like him or not, was available to answer every question every day. You might not like his answers, but he was there. And Joe Biden has already proved he won't be. Uh, Andy, uh, best of luck uh, through the holidays. We had three tough topics you could have passed. I didn't tell you that ahead of time. You could have passed and had no <laughs> ramifications, but you took all three of them on. For that, I salute you. I feel like I've been tricked, but okay. <laughs> I salute you. <laughs> How dare I? Uh, Andy, thanks so much. <laughs> our audience has thanks, benefited Brian. and better because you were on our show. Thanks so much. Andy McCarthy, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Bill Crane, inside the Georgia runoffs at a, at a level and at a level of detail and, uh, and specifics that you're not going to get anywhere else. But next is you, 1-866-408-7669. Giving you everything you need to know, it's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hey, Marco, how you doing? Surprise, surprise. This is Smokey Robinson. I know you didn't expect to hear from me, but I was contacted by your sons, Jeff and Jared, and they wanted me. They told me that you used to live in Detroit across the street from me, and gosh, that's that's beautiful. Nice talking to you again, I guess. But anyway, you're living in Vancouver now, and they wanted me to wish you happy Chinooka. I have no idea what Chinooka is, but happy Chinooka <laughs> because they said so. Anyway, God bless you, babe, and enjoy Chinooka. Does he try mean Hanukkah? He means Hanukkah. Oh, I was hoping he didn't mean Hanukkah. How amazing is that? So that's, if he needs an Eric in his life to help him ah. with reads. <laughs> Mesothelioma. There you go. So how great is this? This guy, Jeff Jacobson, you can like, you know, cameo, you pay a fee to have a celebrity do a video for you. So his mom used to live down the street from Smokey Robinson. He paid $399 to have Smokey Robinson do that. And then oh. he says Chinooka. <laughs> <laughs> and here, how much did he actually? Three hundred. Three hundred ninety-nine. Okay, here's the thing. At least talk to the person. You can leave it on a voicemail, and that counts. Oh, oh, Brian, where have you been? You could do leave it on. You just do a video so on your the, phone. You send it out. Oh, okay. You mean so? You I thought the whole thing was having live interaction. No, no live interactions. It could either just be like a voicemail, or it could be like the video. I'm assuming you'd pay more for the video. Does no one look at his video and say it's Hanukkah? <laughs> yeah, Cameo needs quality control. Seriously. Wow. All right. Uh, so when we come back, I'm going to go inside the uh, WSB uh, story. And the WSB is the number one, uh, one of the number one station in Atlanta and around the country, really, overall. And one of their big guys is Bill Crane. And Bill is going to tell us what's going on on the ground because yesterday was the first day of voting. And I could not believe the poll I saw on Monday. Trafalgar, which they say leans right, but it was unbelievably accurate in this last election. Had Florida and Ohio going to Republicans. They have Purdue losing to Ossoff and Warnock about four points away from Kelly Leffler. Warnock is about as radical as anybody in Georgia will ever be. How is he even close? Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, it's crucial because if, if we retain them during the Senate... Uh, Chairman Grassley, I believe, will become chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee again. I will become chairman of the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. And ne- neither one of us have got to the bottom of this. Both of us are very frustrated with the unfair and biased treatment on the part of the media, the unfair and biased uh, suppression of information from these agencies, uh, and, and, of course, the unequal system of justice that we are witnessing in this country. It's shocking. So that is uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Uh, I met with him early when he first got the job. I guess it was seven, eight years ago now. The plastics guy in business thought, I'm going to just give some back to Wisconsin. And he's become just so incensed by the unfairness in which the coverage and the lack of interest in the investigations of the unruly behavior among, in his mind, Democrats, and especially this Hunter Biden story, as he sat down with Bobulinski and others and cannot believe the media has just now got curious for it. But as it leads all... To Georgia. And if he wants to be committee chairperson, if he wants to be in the majority, they have to take one of two Georgia seats. And they got until January 5th. Early voting started yesterday. Uh, joining us now is a guy that knows all about it. He's Bill Crane. Uh, he, uh, he's WSB TV and radio, one of the most respected uh, voices and minds in Georgia politics. Bill, welcome back. Always good to be here, Brian. Happy Chinooka. 
<laughs> I have I have a Jewish goddaughter, and we lit candles on the first night of Hanukkah. But that that spelling of the holiday is, is sort of variant depending on who's doing the writing. So I can sort of understand Mr. Robinson's confusion. You did hear that? Okay, good. And yeah, that I is did. Smokey Robinson doing cameo, mispronounced what that famous Chinook. Jewish holiday is. Yes. Uh, Bill is also senior <clears throat> communication strategist and chief political analyst for WSB TV and radio. So. Bill, your column today is, uh, it's enough, Mr. President. You believe that he's exhausted every avenue possible. I do, and and the president himself said on Twitter and in some public comments within the last couple of weeks that if the Electoral College met, convened, and selected Joe Biden as the president-elect, that he would respect that, begin the process of transition and moving on. That was completed yesterday afternoon at 5 p.m., Though, interestingly, in Georgia, the Republican electors also met in a separate room and were balloted, I guess, just in case. So I do believe there's an effort that's being planned for the January 6th congressional vote of certification. Uh, we understand that uh, one of the Alabama representatives, Mo Brown, is, is considering filing objections to the election results in four states and that he will be joined by members of Congress in the House from other states. There is precedent for this. The last time it had any impact was in the 1800s. But in in 2000, uh, Florida Democrats objected to the tabulation and the final decision in Florida, which gave George Bush the presidency. Al Gore was vice president presiding over that tabulation, and he ruled those two congressional members out of, out of order. Pardon me. Gotcha. Uh, Bill, the other thing is, you know, the president's upset with your governor, a guy he endorsed, Brian Kemp, and then Kemp came back at him. Do you understand the president's bitterness? Is Kemp culpable of not running a good election? Well, the governor has no direct role in Georgia in the administration of our elections processes. That's the secretary of state's office and the election superintendents and boards of election in 159 counties. I do understand the president's frustration here in Georgia and elsewhere, believing that there were election excuse me, irregularities which cost him the results in several states. But there have been election investigators and the Georgia GBI and others on this uh, since the days and weeks following the election. And so far, there's not been anything significant that's been overturned except for about 1,500 votes that came the president's way during the audits and recounts that were administered by the Office of Secretary of State, where ballots were located in four counties that had not been tabulated, most for human error, one for machine error. Um, in the original tabulation and which closed the gap between the vice president and the president from initially 14,400 to around 12,700. But vote Joe Biden still winning Georgia and, and eventually at 16 electoral votes. Do you believe the, uh, the signature verification was adequate? I think more could have been done on the front end. And I do know that the Republican and Democratic parties of Georgia were both offered the opportunity to observe signature verification by emergency order of our state election board starting October the 22nd, because we knew we were going to have a record number of absentee ballots, counties were allowed to begin the process of opening those envelopes, the signatures on the outside, as well as the oath of affidavit of elector, separating the ballot from the envelope. It's in a second sealed envelope for ballot secrecy reasons. And then a second person opens that second envelope, flattens it out for scanning, and it's scanned. The tabulation part in our law and state could not begin until Election Day. But there was the opportunity, and I do understand that the RNC and the state party of Georgia have secured 4,000 volunteers Mm -hmm. for the January 5th runoff to do signature verification as well as poll watching in almost every precinct. Are they going to be able to see it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. They've been offered it. It's not Philadelphia. Yes. It is not Philadelphia. We don't don't, – 
have 24-hour gaming and we don't have 24-hour ballot tabulation or casting of ballots. Uh, so I think uh, at least there will be more assurances made to those who believe the election was mishandled or stolen that everything that can be done will be done. I think in our legislative session, which begins a week after this election, there will be multiple measures introduced, including virtual voter identification, perhaps requiring people not just to put in their driver's license number but to upload on the Secretary of State's website an electronic image of their driver's license, passport, state ID, or mm -hmm. college ID to demonstrate they are who they say they are. So, Bill, let's fast forward now. Here's your Secretary of State uh, pleading with Georgia voters to get involved. Cut 15. Please get out and vote. Georgia's elections are secure. There are many telling you they aren't. I understand. I get that. I supported and voted for the president. I am sorely disappointed in the outcome. Like millions and millions of other Americans, it's nearly unfathomable. But we have over 200 years of transitions of power in our nation, regardless of personality, regardless of party. So do you believe there are Republicans that people on the sideline outside Georgia have speculated that are so turned off that the president lost Georgia? I believe the first time a Republican lost Georgia since presidential candidates in 1992. So turned off they'll stay home or are they getting over it? I hope the latter, but I think the former right now, Brian. I'm obviously, we still have time. It's December the 14th and the election is January the 5th. But there's several issues at play. There's people that were... Doug Collins supporters who never really came around to Kelly Loeffler's candidacy, and she's the incumbent senator in that open special election against Reverend Raphael Warnock. We have all of the litigation. We have our state electors suing our secretary of state and governor. Our secretary of state's being called to resign by our two U.S. senators. Our House speaker is calling for a change in the way we elect our secretary of state and have the House delegation elected. We have outsiders like Attorney Lynn Wood telling people to write in Donald Trump or write in their dog's name or just not vote. And all of that is not focused on those two Senate runoffs and a very important runoff we have here for Georgia Public Service Commission where the majority of that body will also be decided and we're the only state still building nuclear uh, power capacity yeah. in the nation. And we've got two reactors that are kind of on that bubble, one of whom just had its fuel rods delivered this past week, but $22 billion in the ground. And we know that Joe Biden and his administration are not friendly to nuclear. Meanwhile, it burns clean, so it's crazy. Uh, so let's talk, go over the candidates. You know Georgia. But if it was, you know, it goes red, has it gone wild blue? Because Raphael Warnock is even a little bit too liberal, I think, for to run for mayor of Chicago. Listen to some of the stuff that's emerging about things he said from the pulpit. Cut 16. The United States Senate decided by a slim majority to pick the pockets of the poor, the sick, the old, and the yet unborn in order to line the pockets of the ultra-rich. Don't tell me about gangsters and thugs on the streets. There are more gangsters and thugs in Washington, D.C., in the Capitol. The military, you can't serve in the military and serve God. Uh, we know that some of the other things, he's for the new Green Deal. I mean, is this really resonating with the majority of Georgians? We got a handful of things happening that we've some of which we've discussed previously. There's some significant demographic shifts in the population of Metro Atlanta, particularly in the formerly Republican strongholds of Cobb, Gwinnett, uh, North Fulton counties, and a break with the Republican Party of suburban women in those same counties, largely centered on the president. So that's in the background. Then you have 
an extremely well-funded and organized ground game being headed by several organizations, but the two visible ones are Fair Fight Georgia and Georgia Votes, both created by Stacey Abrams. I believe she's raised, with those two organizations, $32 million since the November 3rd general election. And living in DeKalb County, her home county, and, and not particularly a Republican stronghold, I can attest to having three door knocks, multiple phone calls, handwritten notes, mailers galore, and people offering to put yard signs in my front yard, that didn't happen on the GOP side and isn't happening at the same level on the GOP side. So the energy and the momentum back up the Travolta polls that you referenced a few moments ago, that it's certainly not irreversible, and Georgia's had elections like this before where Republican voters come home in the end and undecided to break for the Republicans, but it ain't looking great. So do you believe uh, Purdue's in better shape or Leffler? My gut tells me in the end that we'll split the two and that Purdue will be reelected basically on the strength of outstate turnout, which will be heavily in his favor, uh, and then the reverse in Metro Atlanta. Senator Leffler had an opportunity with the one televised debate that she was involved in about uh, not quite a week ago on Sunday to introduce herself and to also talk about what's at stake, as you do so well on this show. Um, what the issue differences are, and that did not happen. I don't know if you watched the debate, but um, instead she chose to sort of resuscitate and repeat the language of her television commercials. And I'm not telling you that that, uh, Reverend Warnick is not radical or liberal or radical liberal, but but, but when you're running dozens of millions of dollars worth of TV ads and you're the incumbent senator, you don't need to say that in every time you have the opportunity to speak. And it, it was not a favorable appearance for her. So there's that as well. Right. Uh, she's a rookie. Uh, she's a rookie as a politician. And we know that uh, Doug Collins thought that the governor, Kemp, would endorse him. He didn't do it. He, d- he endorsed Leffler. And the president stayed out of it, didn't want to get between them. But Doug Collins clearly would have knocked it out of the park. He's very astute, very smart, very experienced. Do you sense— And, and considering a run for governor in 2022, Congressman Collins is, is very well regarded, particularly among the conservatives of Georgia, did a very effective job defending the president during the impeachment proceedings. Great. And probably would have been a stronger nominee, but there was a belief by the governor that he needed a woman to reach out to suburban women in north metro Atlanta. That didn't work out. You know, on a grand scale, I remember Reagan didn't really go to bat for Ford after he lost the nomination and Ford barely lost. Do you think that uh, Doug Collins needs to be convinced to come out and go for Leffler, or the fact that he was going at her so hard it makes him look like he wasn't telling the truth when he was criticizing her? He endorsed her on election night, but I haven't seen anything really since. He's headed the president's efforts on the recount here in Georgia. I have not seen the congressman work the field, as you say. I mean, you've been to a number of campaign events. I have not seen him out on the hustings, and that would certainly help if he really wants to see that Senate seat go to Kelly Loeffler. All right. So right now you think that the, the energies behind the Democrats, even though the Republicans traditionally have had almost all the success in the runoffs. We should be talking about bets on how large the margin of victory would be, as, as was the case with Saxby Chambliss in 2008. The fact that we're not is largely the disorganization, the continuing focus, looking backwards at the November 3rd election, which has not finished up here yet, and some bitterness over the name-calling and asking for resignation, et cetera, that just has tamped down enthusiasm on the GOP side. president's got to realize it's the back of his baseball card, uh, that it's going to reflect on him, and the beginning of a comeback would start January 5th. Bill, it's going to be exciting. Thank uh, thank goodness you're there for us. Appreciate it. Anytime, Brian. You got it. one 866 Back up to finish up this hour. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. Yeah, that's too bad. That really is going to up, uh, ratchet up the confidence in the vaccine. The irresponsible governor of New York, who fancies himself a superstar as he has a big star-studded birthday, virtual birthday party, which is a fundraiser. Why he needs a fundraiser is unbelievable. He should go right to the restaurateurs that he's closing down, shutting down. Uh, they are now, by the way, on a, on a side note on that, that is earlier, uh, about uh, two weeks ago, that's the governor talking down the vaccine we need everyone to use. Next, I got to tell you what's happening right now about two blocks from our building right here at 48th and 6th. There is a rally amongst restaurant owners and workers to say they are pushing back against the shutdown that is destroying city after city. It is proven that shutdowns don't work. I understand the frustration with keeping the numbers down, but if this virus has a mind of its own, we know how to distance, we know how to wash our hands, we know how to wear masks, we make these, give these people the rules and you shut them down anyway. Don't tell me it's for I, uh, ICU numbers because the numbers are not there yet. And one has nothing to do with the other. Most of the reason why people get infected is home parties. So you destroy businesses, destroy livelihoods, people go broke, the government doesn't bail them out, and they're rallying and standing up. It's just sickening. Well, let's go to Steve in Kansas. Hey, Steve. Brian. Hey, what's on your yeah, mind? Uh, I just didn't want to get past this moment and not – Take note of what I thought was the most egregious election meddling, which was the debate commission not allowing a foreign policy debate. I thought that was out of hand. Absolutely. They're supposed to be a neutral organization, and foreign policy is the most important aspect of the president's portfolio. And and guess what? You know what they told me? And finance and diplomacy. And what what Frank Kafarenkov told us is that they did it because it was up to the moderator to come up with the topics. But when when there was no second debate, that left it out there. So therefore, you didn't have to bring up how how Joe Biden's been wrong on every major foreign policy and national security decision over the last 40 years. That was by Barack Obama's first Secretary of Defense. Amazing. Let's find out there's more to know. More to know. Guess who's upset that the Cleveland Indians are changing their name from the Cleveland Indians? The president of the United States. The president said that uh, the potential move by the Cleveland Indians baseball team to drop the name Indians is cancel culture at work. Pat Dolan says it is time. Paul Dolan, the owner, says it is time to change it. Uh, Native Americans who have uh, sought to have the team stop using the moniker, many have deemed racist. They stopped with the mascot a couple of years ago, Chief Wahoo. Uh, that's enough. Soon we're not going to have any reference. Now there's pressure on the Braves to change from the Braves. I thought the Braves was a compliment, like Warriors. I don't know. Everyone's just caving, right? People are ha- so offensive. And they change the words so often. Whatever they say next in 10 years, that's going to be offensive. I know. What if, I heard fighting Irish was offensive to Irish. On the behalf of Irish, we're not offended. My and dad. to fight. My dad had a logo on his shirt. Uh, it was called Kilmeade's Bar. It was a drunk leprechaun with a beer in his hand, with stars over his head, leaning against a tray. We thought he, I thought it was great. I never saw anything wrong with it. That would not fly right now. People didn't protest the bar. And leprechauns just kept silent, and that's what I appreciated. <laughs> Next. 
Wisconsin healthcare officials uh, urge against eating traditional cannibal sandwiches. I don't get this. Here's the quote. Time for our annual reminder that there's one holiday tradition you need to pass on. It's raw meat. Many Wisconsin families consider that to be a holiday uh, tradition, but eating that poses a threat. What's the threat? E. coli? Yeah, there can be bacteria in there. For sure. But I know, I think what in Germany they eat a lot of raw meat. I don't know. It, it sounds gross to me, but to each their own. And guess what? We're out of time. What a shame. We end on cannibals. <laughs> uh, what a shocker. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Go to BrianKillMe.com. Order any of my books. If it comes in today, I'll be able to mail it out today. After that, I cannot be responsible. And BrianKillMeShow.com. Download and listen to our show live anywhere you might be. If you have to leave our family of affiliates, keep it here. Brian Kilme Show. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.